Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. It's two minutes not、uh, two minutes past nine o'clock on this Saturday. The one moment, the, please. Thirteenth、um, uh, of that's November. Right. That's right, and I'm Pierre Morrow, and、uh, welcome to everyone. Good morning as well, and of course,、uh, thanks to Annie from Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program. And that、uh, music interlude you were listening to was "This Sweet Life" by Catherine Tracos. Now I've got no idea who she is, but I really enjoyed listening to that music. And it was, you know, I have to say, sometimes、um, Annie puts a whole spectrum of music on, and sometimes I go, "Quick, quick, let's、uh, get to our show." And other times you go, "I could just keep listening to this." And I think this morning was one of those uh, um, uh, melodic moods, really. That,、uh, but anyway, that's 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 gone now. We're into Hard class struggle here, Giselle. Hard,、so. <laughs> hard class struggle. Don't forget that, listeners. The class struggle is not easy. If you're planning to have fun, think again. Think again. Ah,、uh, that's right. That's right. Anyway,、um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Workerlinks. And if you're interested to get in touch with us, that's right. You can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. In, so today on the show we we're going to replay、um, some of the material from the Palestine public meeting. How do we win in Palestine? We're going to play the opening addresses of Frida Afari and Budur Hassan. Um, and we are working on a couple of stories that、uh, would be really, really good to get some updates on. But、uh, one of them is the、uh, understanding the political context of the attempted assassination on the、um, president of. Um, Iraq,、uh, and then we also want to bring an update on what's happening in Afghanistan. I notice that it has sort of slipped from the mainstream, but of course. The situation is dire for women and children, particularly, but anyone who's not Talibani in in Afghanistan. That's right, and、um, I, I actually see more and more reports about countries just pushing back refugees. It's almost it's it's well, the Belar Belarusian situation is、um, horrific. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the footage of.、Um, Uh, trying to squeeze people across those borders, but it is horrendous. Unfortunately, Pierre, that is technically in Asia,、uh, in Europe, Europe and we're、right. we're not going to cover that on this show,、no. but、um, certainly worth looking at to understand the global situation. And well, we could talk about the fact that Iran has、um, pushed back tens of thousands of Afghan refugees, or at least trying to push them back. Right, I'm not too sure where they're going to go, but. Anyway, yes,、uh, there's incredible、uh, problems, and of course, there's a, a, there's a massive、um, once-in-a-century drought in、um, about half of Syria, and、um, most of it is where there's refugee camps and displaced people. So again, the the outcomes of that are going to be、um, horrific, or, or well, are horrific. 
Well, so. time now for news from around the region. And we're going to start in Korea, where truck drivers stage a national strike. On Friday, the 29th of October, tens of thousands of truck drivers in South Korea staged a strike and rally in the capital of Seoul in the ongoing fight for the preservation and expansion of safe rates. The workers have been campaigning for years around issues of job security and better paying conditions. Health and safety is a particular focus with a push towards increased safety on the road by reducing excessive work hours, pressure to speed and the overloading of trucks. Many of these issues are felt by truck drivers all around the world and as such, many solidarity actions by workers were held around the world in support of the Korean workers' campaign. And uh, more power to you, comrades. We now go to Myanmar. We're following the coup leader's recent assertion that they will um, militarily crush all opposition to the rule. Reports are now trickling out of a major military operation just a few weeks a few weeks ago in Chin State in northwest Myanmar. Uh, Thanlang, a hilltop now town near the border with India, was heavily attacked by the military with the destruction of hundreds of buildings and most of the roughly 8,000 inhabitants fleeing the city. In another uh, update um, report this week, um, Danny Fenster, a US journalist who has been detained since May in Myanmar, was formally charged with terrorism and seditions. Now, no explanations were given as to what these relate to or to what charges Danny is currently facing, even though his trial is currently underway in a secret military court. Now, just overnight, there's been developments he's actually been sentenced to 11 years in jail. Now, this actually refers to the previous charges that I mentioned here, not the new ones of terrorism and sedition, which um, there are... um, And, of course, he's not the only one. There are at least 50 journalists um, who are known to be in detention currently in Myanmar. China's debt problems are impacting workers in that country, while the implications of the debt issues of giant Chinese property developers like Evergrande and Kesa Group have been widely reported on. There's also growing evidence that workers are also feeling the strain of these economic pressures. On the 1st of November... Hundreds of bus drivers staged a one-day wildcat strike in the city of Pingdingshan in central China's Henan province to protest over unpaid wages by the state-owned bus company. The workers were claiming up to eight months back wages but also claiming that over the last nine years, wage payments have become ever more erratic. A leaked report from last year showed that the public transportation company had a debt ratio close to 200%. Just this year, labour activists have recorded over 100 industrial actions by workers in China in relation to wage arrears and unpaid benefits at state-controlled enterprises. I mean, imagine working for eight months without wages. Where do you pay your rent? Where do you get your food? I I, I don't know. It's just um, shocking, really. Uh, we now go to Palestine, uh, where the, um, we go to the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, which has been a flashpoint. Um, that's the neighborhood near the Jerusalem Old City, has been in the news all this year as Palestinian families living there have defied Israeli attempts to evict them. Um, the last development has been that earlier this month, the families rejected a deal offered them to them by the Israel Supreme Court that would have seen four Palestinian families remain in the homes for another 15 years as protected tenants, but they had to pay rent 
to the settlers who then would have claimed their land as ours. In a, uh, not surprisingly, in a statement opposing the deal, the family said that they would never submit to be controlled by settler organisations but would continue fighting for the full rights. Now, life in the neighbourhood has become increasingly difficult, not only due to the constant pressure by military and settler incursions, but by the police repeated spraying of so-called skunk water against any gatherings of Palestinians. In addition to the foul smell of this chemical spray that lasts for days, it also produces skin rashes, nausea, shortness of breath and headaches. And I can tell you that um, from the reports I've seen, this is a new product from one of the Israeli companies and they are trying to sell it all around the world as a new anti-rioting um, uh, Many years ago, AAWL had a, a movie fundraiser and we screened the film slash documentary called The Lab, which actually looks mm. at Israel's military um, infrastructure, military industry, and that it uses Palestine as its laboratory to test its new inventions. Um, a lot of it was then particularly the arms were used in um, the US as urban policing warfare <laughs> equipment. Right, yep. But um, it, I would not be surprised if this was one new development of Israel's laboratory. That's right. You've heard it first, comrades around the world. Get ready for skunk water, which, of course, makes it sound so um, benign. Yes, yes, benign. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll move now to Thailand. Uh, last week, a report from Human Rights Watch detailed increasing instances of police beatings and torture of detained anti-government activists while in custody. It says that this seems to be a worrying shift from rough arrest during crowds dispersal to now possible torture. Local human rights organisations have documented at least 20 custodial deaths across Thailand since 2007 and nearly 300 complaints of torture since 2014 in southern Thailand. In a separate development last Wednesday, the Constitutional Court of Thailand ruled that speeches by pro-democracy activists at demonstrations in August and September were treacherous and a call for the overthrow of the government and Thailand's system of government. Given that the speeches were only calling for political reforms and reforms to the monarchy. This ruling has now increased the pressure on the whole of the anti-government movement. I think we can expect more less majestic uh, charges being laid soon. I uh, think so. All right, our last item goes to uh, Singapore, where the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic over the last two years has had devastating social and economic effects on millions of workers around the world, as we have reported many times here. Now, a recent report from Singapore has highlighted that even in this city-state, regarded as one of the richest places in the world, there is increasing marginalisation, especially among the low-wage migrant workforce. Singapore's migrant workers number more than 300,000 in sectors like construction, manufacturing and the service industries. While um, there are no official government statistics and it's hard to quantify, uh, welfare agencies now report that the demand for their food parcels has doubled in the last two years as many workers have lost jobs or have been put on reduced hours. And that's the end of our new, of news roundup for the week. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll bring back those um, uh, interventions around Palestine. 3CR 
always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. Fourteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go now to um, some excerpts from the public meeting that AAWL hosted on the 9th of October. Um, This meeting was called How Do We Win in Palestine? You have heard this audio before, but uh, we felt that they were important conversations and wanted to remind you of them. The latest Israeli assaults on Palestinians have been more severe in the scale of bombings and killings of people in Azeh and the ferocity of mobs of state-sponsored Jewish extremist gangs lynching Palestinians, attacking homes in the few ethnically mixed towns and neighborhoods inside Israel. We have also seen the coming together of Palestinians from Gaza, the West Bank, and inside Israel in a general strike to resist Israeli occupation and apartheid. Please tell us more about the new features of the Israeli assault and the new features of the Palestinian resistance. Okay, so this what we can call latest round of our ongoing struggle against Israeli settler colonialism uh, and apartheid, uh, the the spark that lit, that initially lit everything. uh, It's always, we always want to look to foundations, but I can say that the spark that lit the whole thing was when Israeli forces decided on the first day of Ramadan to close off the a plaza of Damascus Gate with barricades and uh, prevent Palestinian youth from uh, gathering, which is a tradition on the nights of Ramadan. Uh, Palestinian youth, obviously, this this particular space, the Damascus Gate steps, have has been facing several attempts by Israel to close it off to occupy it symbolically by changing or by naming the steps after two Israeli soldiers, uh, despite Palestinian rejection, uh, by installing uh, surveillance cameras, by uh, turning it into into some sort of a fortified military zone for the soldiers, because they know the important, the strategic and emotional and social significance of this gate as the central gate to the old city as the place where Palestinians gather. And because youth responded with so much passion and with so much energy and spirit, Israel responded by attacking them nightly. The youth, their numbers only increased. Uh, this led uh, after that, uh, um, after on, on the second Thursday of Ramadan, a group of settlers led by the settler organization Lahava 
uh, marched on the streets of Jerusalem, calling for death to Arabs, as they always do. It's obviously very important to see them in the context. These uh, settlers are not only empowered by the state, they are supported by the state. They're not simply a fringe or some sort of extremists who don't represent the state. They have direct support from the Israeli government and from the Israeli parliament, uh, even though they can tend to do what the Israeli state cannot do directly because it has other considerations to worry about, like it's diplomatic, these diplomatic considerations, while a group like Lehava can uh, just flex its muscles without fearing any repercussions and knowing that the state's always there to support it. Palestinians only escalated their struggle. They forced Israel to withdraw, the Israeli police to withdraw the barricades from Damascus Gate. And the momentum that started from Damascus Gate expanded to an already burgeoning protest movement in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, which is, which is threatened with um, a forcible eviction with ethnic cleansing a neighborhood that whose the majority of these residents who are uh, threatened with enforceable evictions have already been displaced in 1948 and turned into uh, refugees. So we're talking about refugee families that are facing a second displacement, a second mass displacement. So the movement that started in Damascus Gate joined hands with the movement that was growing in Sheikh Jarrah and from then also movements all from all around Palestine joined in solidarity and turned the uh, and emphasized that the struggle of Sheikh Jarrah is a microcosm of a larger struggle taking place across Palestine. Uh, among the features of this struggle is first the huge women presence, not only as protesters, but also as organizers, as reporters, writers, as volunteer lawyers for the detainees who uh, are uh, detained by, brutally detained by Israel, as those who stand on the front line of protest uh, and document it and protect also their comrades. Uh, and as uh, the, um, those who amplify the voices and the demands of the people of the neighborhood. Uh, and also on the technical level or on the uh, on, on the organizing level, they organize transport uh, public uh, transport to the to the neighborhood to Jerusalem to support the people of the neighborhood. They organize activities to keep the momentum going. Uh, the the movement in Sheikh Jarrah has. Uh, greatly benefited from the feminist movement Talat, which had already been active and whose presence is very clear, it was very vocal and clear both in Sheikh Jarrah and in the protests on Damascus Gate. Uh, so this is one of the main features of the protest. Another feature is of the current movement, protest movement is how it erased the boundaries, the colonial boundaries that separate and fragment the Palestinian people on both sides of the green line. So basically it erased the color of this line and joined Palestinians regardless of where they are. And obviously the support that it has been building from Palestinian refugees in the diaspora, which has been one of the most uh, felt 
support that we have been receiving from uh, the, our uh, from the refugee population in the diaspora. Uh, obviously, since the after um, Gaza entered into the equation, uh, which uh, when when the leader of the military wing of Hamas of Muhammad Dev threatened that if Israel doesn't withdraw from Sheikh Jarrah, uh, there will be response. And if the attacks on Al-Aqsa must continue also, there will be a response. Once Gaza entered the equation, the whole face of the movement not only changed, it escalated. Many feared that the fact that we're having a war would diminish the popular struggle taking place in within the Green Line or in Jerusalem. But the opposite happened. We realized that we had a responsibility to protect our people on Gaza by going to the streets, by disrupting the normalcy of occupation here, and by saying that we'll continue. We can't enter Gaza to support our people there, but we can continue marching in the streets and basically disrupting the, the, the Israeli police, the Israeli army, forcing it to put more manpower, forcing it to have to work on so many different fronts. And this is what we have been saying. The case of the mixed cities or the case of Palestinians inside 48 or within the Green Line is obviously the first reason why they rose up was to uh, reinforce their, uh, their uh, connection with the people in Jerusalem and with the people in Gaza. But they also have other reasons of their own, which are to protest Israel 73-year uh, occupation which they refer to it now as occupation and erasure of their identity, of their presence, uh, their exploitation, their uh, alienation, and the, all the policies uh, meant or targeting their very presence, uh, how the Israeli police have supported organized crime in Palestine 48 within the Green Line. Have the police has been brutally attacking people. Have the how the Israeli state and uh, has uh, used institutionalized racism, discrimination, exploitation against Palestinians within the Green Line. All these long decades of exploitation suddenly erupted and forced and led people into the streets. And this is why it's important not to uh, fall in the trap of treating the protests in mixed cities like Led, Akka, Jaffa, Haifa, not to treat it as intercommunal uh, or a civil war between Palestinians and Jews, but to view it as an uprising by Palestinians against state-sponsored settlers, basically. We're talking about the so-called Torah nucleuses, the Gerin Torani, which are religious Zionist organizations meant at, uh, that have been supported by the states that have been colonizing and building settler outposts in mixed Palestinian cities with the explicit aim of Judaizing these cities and uh, forcing Palestinian out. This has led to massive gentrification of uh, these mixed cities, of forcing Palestinians into the margins and sometimes forcing Palestinians outside of these mixed cities, of raising the prices of real estate. These, we're talking about religious Zionist groups that um, understand the 
link between real estate and ideology. And they're using the sponsorship that they have from the state to brutalize Palestinians. And this has only added to the poverty, to the state-sponsored poverty imposed on Palestinians, to the internal violence, which is not really internal because it's a violence that sponsored and supported by the state, especially after the uprising of 2000, when the state, when the Israeli state, when, when 13 Palestinians were killed by Israel for rising in solidarity with Al-Aqsa Mosque and with the people in Jerusalem and the West Bank. So the Israeli state, so that the only solution to fragment further Palestinians and prevent them from uh, ever again rising up against state violence and brutality is to alienate these people, is to, uh, uh, to divide the social fabric of the Palestinian community within the green line by, or, by supporting organized crime, by pretending to care while it has not only been complicit with, the organi with organized crime families, but have been actively allowing guns to spread and violence to spread and doing nothing. And actually for many months, Palestinians in many cities have been protesting the role of the, that the Israeli police as a racist organization has played in, uh, in fueling the crime and have said that the solution to what's going on uh, is not simply inclusion and not simply to have more police units because police has always aimed to kill us, not to protect us. But the, the solution is to actually uh, to, to, to treat it from its root, to know that Israel as a colonial regime has used so many strategies in order to kill our resistance and to erase our identity. And the only solution to face this is to understand our extension as Palestinian people. And this is what the current uprising has made it possible. And this is what we saw during the general strike that uh, Palestinian declared last Tuesday, when from the river to the sea, Palestinian went on strike, despite Israel's threats to uh, repress uh, them, to fire those who went on strike, uh, especially the uh, more vulnerable uh, and marginalized workers who don't really have networks of support. And But we also saw how many volunteer Palestinian lawyers have said that they are going to support any Palestinian worker threatened with expulsion or being fired on uh, account of participating in the strike. So all these modes of solidarity that are challenging colonial borders, that are redefining and reclaiming Palestinian geography as it was, is really one of the most important features of the current uprising. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. 
It is 29 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community 28, Radio. 28. All right, all right. I did want to say, though, that wasn't exactly what I thought it was that we broadcast. That was not from the public meeting. That was an interview that Frida Afari did, conducted with... Um, Budur Hassan, both of whom were guests at our public meeting, but it was a it was an interview that was conducted just after the workers' strike in Palestine. So you tried to mislead our, our listeners, I, and um, I almost got away with it. That's right. That's right. Anyway, there you go, listeners. We've uh, managed to um, set the record straight. But that does bring us to the end of another week of Asia Pacific Currents. I'll be away for the next um, three weeks. I think I'm actually go. No on. one cares, Pierre. No one cares. I'm sure there's at least one or two listeners out there that cares. But I will be back for the last two programs in uh, in December. So um, stay listening. Listening to Asia, uh, Asia, Pacific, so Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. We'll be back next week at nine o'clock here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. But stay tuned for Palestine Remembered coming up straight after this community announcement. And Giselle, have you got something to say there? No, I was no. just going to back. I was just going to say who I was. So you need to say I'm Pierre Morrow. I'm Pierre Morrow, and I'm Giselle Hanna. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.